of the uh, important things here at Grace Chapel is our life groups. And we have more people who want to be in life groups than we have life group leaders. So we need more life group leaders. And I know some of you don't want to be life group leaders because you're thinking, well, I'm not really a leader. And what if they ask me questions that I don't really know? And what if this or what if that or what if the other thing? And uh, I want to encourage you, if you, if you would pray about that, and you consider being a life group leader, then we will train you. You can come to me and talk to me and say, I'd like to be a life group leader, but I, I need some training. We will take the time, even if it's one-on-one, to train you to be a life group leader. All right? Because we really need life group leaders to get more people engaged and involved here at the church. And there are some different groups that, that would love to have a life group, but they don't have a leader. So God is, I can, the whole, what? I hear God speaking to someone about being a life group leader. That's probably you. All right, so we will, I will commit to training you if you'll commit to being a life group. The other thing is, I know some of you are thinking, boy, if I win that $1.3 billion in the lottery, what's my tithe on that? Is it gross or net? It's gross, okay? So if you win, if you win, if you win the $1.3, it comes right off the top, okay? Just stuff it in there. There's offering boxes here and here. You can kind of jam it in there, that whatever that would come out to. Um, so that's amazing, isn't it? That's absolutely incredible. Except the government's going to about 65% of it, so you're left with only a little bit of money. Uh, only like, what, $500 million. All right, so uh, great to have you all here this morning. I'm excited to kick off a new series called To Be or Not To Be. And you all get your, your bracelets coming in, your bands, get them. If you didn't, make sure you get one on your way out. All right, to be or not to be, and what we really want to do in this series is reflect on our lives. And I know we always want to reflect on our lives, but I really want us to step back and look at some of these characters and reflect on our own personal lives. It's important. It's really important because I'll talk about the heroes of the Bible, and we all want to see ourselves in the heroes of the Bible. But you, you can learn sometimes as much from those who are struggling within the word of God as you can from those who excel, you know what I mean, and, and step out. So we can learn, we, we got to learn not just from the heroes of the Bible, but also from those who maybe have fallen short. They've come up short because I think we all fall in that category sometimes. We're struggling in our faith and, you know, we can learn from the failures and successes of others. We learn so much from success. We also learn so much from failure. So if we're going to become the person that God created us to be, then we need to see our faults and we need to see our failures and we need to be able to overcome those faults and those failures. If we're truly going to be the people that God created us to be, we need to look at ourselves honestly and that's okay. It's not, it's not like you have to put yourself down or, you know, not think you're, you know, you know, I love it put it this way. You know, you are a person that Jesus died for. You're no, you're nothing more than a person, a forgiven sinner, but nothing less than someone Jesus died for. All right. So we get that in our minds. I think we'll be okay. so we can learn. So I think you learn sometimes more from your failures than you do your successes. Think about that. I know personally, I know I've learned in my life more from my failures, more from my struggles than those times of bliss. And it's really easy or or, you know, when I've been successful, I learned so much more. This is just me personally. I learned so much more from failures than I do successes. And as we read through scripture, I know a lot of you who know me know that I love to find 
um, and learn from obscure characters in the Bible. I just really enjoy it. And everything I, every time I think I've run out of people to find, I find more. I don't know why, I don't know how, but I just, I just seem to find more and I absolutely love it. I love it. And the reason I love it is that because I believe they're there for a reason. People's names aren't mentioned in the Bible for no reason. They're there for a reason. So I'm asking myself, what can I learn from this person, whether it's through their failures or whether it's through their successes, whether it's heroic where they jump into a pit and fight a lion or it's from someone who maybe has struggled in their faith and maybe they struggle and come back around. There's always so much we can learn from their experiences. And as we read through the Bible, you're going to find individuals who are mentioned maybe once. And in those cases, you're left to wonder most often, what are, what are these people like? I wonder what they were, I wonder what they were really like. But others are mentioned three or four times. And one of those people who have been mentioned three or four times in the Bible is a man named Demas. Demas. And you can learn so much from those three or four verses about this man. As you study, as you study the scriptures, you can learn a lot about someone in three or four verses. It seems that Demas was very close to some of the most important figures in the New Testament. That's one of the things we can learn just by a few verses. This man, Demas, was really close. He had spent a lot of time with, he engaged with some of the most important figures in the New Testament. In Colossians chapter 4, in verse 14, it says this, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Demas sends greetings along with Luke and a a lot of other Christians who were with Paul while he was imprisoned. So you have many Christians there with Paul who's imprisoned. One of those men is Demas along with Luke. Can you imagine? Think about this. Just think about it. Can you imagine if you were mentioned in the same verse as Luke? Imagine that. Being mentioned in the same verse as Luke. And then Philemon chapter 1 and verse 24 it says, And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow worker. So this verse, that, that verse gives us a little more insight into what Demas may have been involved in, what he was doing, what he was responsible for. It says that he was a fellow worker with Paul. And you know what Paul was involved in, you know, missionary journeys, going to share the gospel, you know, all the adventures, if you want to call them adventures, that he had been through. Demas was a fellow worker with Paul. He must have been significant to Paul, must have been an important person along with him on these journeys because he's important enough to be mentioned there in the word of God. And this time he's mentioned with Mark and Luke and someone that we'll, we'll look at a little later on in our, in our series called Aristarchus. So you have Demas and Aristarchus, another name that most people wouldn't know, but another incredible man of God that we can talk about. So he worked alongside Paul. This man, Demas, has an impressive resume. Spending time with Mark, spending time with Luke, spending time with all these other, and, and with, with Paul, a really impressive resume. Let's just say, let's just say this, Demas was in good company. Demas spent his time in really good company. So I want you to picture this, go back and try to picture in your mind, yeah, this man Demas, he's spending time with Paul, and he's spending time with Luke and Mark, and I mean, he's spe- look at the people that are surrounding him. Then you start thinking about, okay, what are some, what are some things that we can take from this? You, you have to take it that Demas would have 
um, heard some incredible firsthand stories about Jesus. I mean, not not generations and generations past. I'm talking Demas would have heard stories, would have heard Paul's story. He would have heard all these firsthand stories about Jesus Christ because he was with them. Demas would have experienced some of the most amazing miracles with the disciples, with the people. He was surrounded by those people. And the Bible talks about the kinds of things that they would do. And so you, you can just imagine, or we would, we can glean from this that Demas would have experienced firsthand some of the most incredible miracles that were going on at the time. And then maybe certain healings or how the disciples were going in and, and this, the churches that were started, all the things that were happening. You can imagine also that Demas would have watched the Holy Spirit, if you will, impact the lives of so many people. The transformation that would have happened during, during Demas's time where he's going in with Paul and all the things that Paul was doing. Paul would lead any, if Paul was chained to you, you'd become a Christian within a few months, okay? So you can imagine what Demas would have seen, what Demas would have heard, what Demas would have experienced during his time with Paul and all the others of the Spirit of God moving in such a powerful, powerful way. He's walking with the greats. As simple as he is walking with the greats. He is working for God. He is sharing Christ with people. He is a fellow worker with Paul. He must have been caught up, and I, as I go back, he must have been caught up in the, the movement and the emotions of those early followers. You know, when Jesus was, when Jesus was here and right after, the, the, the emotion, you can imagine the emotion. You can imagine the movement that was springing up as people's lives are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. This this movement's going on. See, I, I really think emotions are extremely important in our faith. That our emotions can really carry us forward a long way. But we cannot build our faith, the foundation of our faith upon emotions. None of us should do that. You can't build the foundation on, of your faith on your emotions. Because why? Because emotions will swing. Your emotions can swing. We see it all the time in Scripture. In John chapter 6. Go back this week and I want you to read John chapter 6. Okay, John chapter 6 talks about feeding the 5,000. So Jesus is doing the miracle of feeding the 5,000, right? And so he does you know, the fish and the loaves, feeds the 5,000. People are like, holy mackerel. In John chapter 6, it talks about Jesus walking on the water. So again, I'll fill in a little bit of blanks and I, it's not, I'm just drawing from this. But you can imagine, if you will, Jesus doing all these amazing miracles. I'm sure that Jesus did things, miraculous things, that are not recorded. Okay? So you can imagine being a follower at that point of Jesus Christ and watching this guy do some absolutely amazing things. Absolutely incredible, incredible things. But then, as you're watching this and he's feeding you and you're getting physically taken care of. Now, my, my, you know, my stomach is full. This guy's healing people. You can imagine how fired up emotionally you get. This is awesome. This guy's amazing. This is really cool. Have you heard about this guy, Jesus? You should come and follow. You should come and follow. Let's follow this guy. This is so much fun. This is absolutely amazing. And then something happens. Jesus begins to teach deeper truths. And in John chapter 6, verses 60 through 66, it says this. So he's keeping, he, he's, all these people are following him, and then he starts teaching 
He starts getting a little, you know, now it's, you know, rubber hits the road kind of thing. He says, it says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, uh, you can imagine, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So some of the people that are called disciples or followers at that time did not believe. Okay, caught up again in the emotion, caught up in the cool factor of how amazing this was. Because it's like, hey, watch him do this, watch him do this, watch him do this. Well, we got fed. Our stomachs are full. Our hearts are excited of all the cool things he's doing. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. That not interesting. The masses, you get the masses. Oh, this is great. This is cool. This is, this is amazing. My teacher, at one, of my, one of my professors at Nyack said, what you win people with is what you win them to. So if it wasn't Jesus, it was another person who was maybe talking about Jesus. And they, they saw these people leave. And they go, whoa, 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 hold on. Come on back. Let's, I'll just tone it down a little bit. You know, it's, don't, don't get, no, it's just, let's, you come on back. I don't want to lose anybody here. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, you know, water, I'll water it down for you a little bit. What you win people with is what you win them to. Jesus was speaking truth. Some people all of a sudden went, wait a second. This isn't really as fun as it was before. This is not as pleasurable as it was before, because now he's asking me to do something. The rich young ruler comes to him, Lord, oh, Master, what, should, what do I need to do? Lord, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? You know, do this and do this and do, oh, I've done all those things. You know, I've done all those things. Jesus basically looks at him, knows his heart and says, go sell all your possessions, give, you know, and give it to the poor and come follow me. Oh, wait a second. Wait, I, I would, no, see, I'd love to be a follower, but I got other things to do right now. And as soon as it starts getting a little bit uncomfortable, or a lot uncomfortable, all of a sudden, the wheat and the chaff, they're separated. So, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, we're given a sober warning. It says this, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Like those we just described, all those people following Jesus and going, well, I don't know about that now. Like that, like that something happened along the way where Demas' mind and heart began to change. Something happened to Demas along the way. I want to go back to John chapter, First uh, John chapter two, and I want to I want to start at verse fifteen. We looked at verse nineteen. I want to look at verse fifteen to give us a little more insight into what might have happened, and pretty much I believe did happen because of the verse I'll read you next. So it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. 
for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, Paul tells us this. For Demas... Because he loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Okay, here's the deal. Demas is with Paul. Paul's in prison, okay? Demas is looking at Paul and the struggles he's facing. And Demas is looking at the fun of the world. And then Demas has to make a choice. That's really what's happening here. Demas is with Paul, and you're thinking, yeah, he's with Paul. I mean, he's with Paul. Can you imagine being with Paul? Yeah, Demas could imagine being with Paul. It was all fun and games. It was all fun and games when people were being fed and all the miracles were happening, all this cool stuff's going on. But Demas looked at Paul in prison, and then he looked at the fun of the world, and he made a choice. He's basically going through his mind saying, pain with Paul shipwrecked, imprisoned, stoned, beaten, hungry, blah, blah. You go on, right? Just go through all the things that Paul went through. Demas is saying, pain with Paul or pleasure in Thessalonica. That's what it boils down to. Pain with Paul. If you don't suffer with me, you won't reign with me. That's what it says in the Bible. So Demas is saying, he's making, a, he's making some choices here. Pain with Paul or pleasure in Thessalonica. Thessalonica had all kinds of stuff going on. And so basically Demas looks at that and says, I'm not, gee, I'm not really sure, you know, if I want to deal with this. When we're told not to love the world in the Bible, it's because the, the world has a, a corrupt value system. The Bible's saying, do not love the world. Do not love the, this corrupt value system. That the world has all the things that are going on around you. If you fall in love with that, you're not going to stay in love with God. You're, you know, you can get all emotional and you can go on this ride for a little while. But the reality is when when push comes to shove, all of a sudden your emotions start to change because it's not it's now it's costing me something. Satan, the Bible says, is the God of this world. Lowercase g. Right. And he has his own value system that is in opposition to God's value system. God's value system, okay? Satan has his, is the God of this world and has his own value system. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, The God of this age has blinded, blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Again, in, John, in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 16, it details exactly what Satan's system promotes. This is what Satan's system promotes. This is what Demas is being drawn to. The lust of the flesh. Just use your imagination. The lust of the eyes. Okay? And pride. Who knows? Who knows what, where it came in? Maybe, maybe Demas was following around. He's sick and tired of playing second fiddle to him or him or him. 
He did, you know, why should I? And I'll look at what I'm doing. Who knows? I mean, think about yourself. I think about myself. Think about your own life. You can imagine, you know, you walk with the greats and sometimes you think you are great. You think you're better than you really are. You think you're more important. You think you should be more. You don't know why you're there getting front billing. Maybe. And who knows what Demas was thinking? We do know, though, we've got the, uh, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and, and this pride going on. That's basically Satan's system. That's what it promotes. Every, every sin, ima- think about this, every sin imaginable can be summed up in those three evils. Every sin can be summed up in those three evils. Envy, right? Arrogance, lying, adultery. All of those, I mean, you, you, you pick one and it can be summed up pretty much in, in selfishness. This, our selfishness, all those things can be summed up in those three things. And, and all of those things and more, more of those things come from the, the, basically the, the root of those three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and pride. So every other thing you talk about, just about everything you can talk about comes. That's the root of those. That's where it springs from. That's where it grows. You think, you know, well, I'm not very proud. You know what? Judge your own motives sometimes. Spend some time judging your motives to why you feel the way you feel, why you feel about the other person the way you feel about them. Judge your own motives and you'll come to realize a lot of the time it's just pride. See, according to the Bible... The world, Demas was going after the world. But according to the Bible, the world is what we put aside. The world is what we let go of. The world is what we left behind when we come to Christ. For me, it's been pretty simple in my Christian walk when it comes to that part of it. I was living in darkness. And then I started learning about Christ. And I'm standing, we all have to be in a place where Demas is standing at one point and saying, Pain with Paul or a life with Paul or sharing the gospel or living the Christian life or hmm, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and pride and all that. This seems more fun. For me, I lived here. I chose to walk from darkness into light. That's what the Bible says. The old self and the new self, the sinful nature and the new nature. The Bible talks about the world is what we leave behind. In Isaiah 55 and verse 7, it says that when we come to, when we come to God, we are putting aside our own ways and our own thoughts. It's a putting aside of those things. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I put those things aside. I know they come creeping back into my life. They come creeping back into your life. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. So when they come creeping back and we slip up, we fall into those old patterns. We ask Christ to forgive us. He forgives us and we move on. It's as simple as that. We know we're going to fall back into sometimes, but we should be constantly trying to leave those things behind. John Bunyan in his book, The Pilgrim's Progress, on page 34, it pictures, believer, it pictures the believer's position as having his, listen, his eyes lift up to heaven, holding the best of books in his hand, and standing with the world as cast behind him. I love that. The world as cast behind him. Demas loved the world. 
The Bible tells us that a believer in Jesus Christ will cast the world behind him. Will it try to wiggle its way back into our lives sometime through our sinful nature? Of course it will. But the believer is, is making a choice to leave the world behind, the, 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 the corrupt system of the world behind, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride, all that. Leave, try to try to the best of your ability to become, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. You say, what's my purpose in life? Your purpose in life, is your goal and purpose in life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be more like him each and every day. That's my goal. That's your goal. That's your purpose in life. How that all, how God works that all out, what you end up doing with your life, that's all separate. But your purpose and goal in life is to become more like Jesus Christ. In order to do that, you have to, as he puts it, the world as cast behind him. We need to put the world behind us. Demas looked at what the world had to offer. He looked, he took, he took it, he looked at what the world had to offer. The physical, this is all based upon the physical. What does Thessalonica, what does the world have to offer me? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And he put that, that became his priority. That became more important to him than sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the stories that he would have heard firsthand. All the things that he would have seen. All of a sudden in your mind you start saying, well, that person, who knows what happened. Maybe they went blind again or maybe they or maybe they were maybe they were tricksters or whatever the case may be man they're magicians they make up whatever you want in your mind demas is saying you know what prison fooling around in thessalonica i'll take thessalonica the life of demas teaches us that apostasy is gradual it's one of the things that i get out of it apostasy is gradual apostasy is the abandonment of your beliefs when someone is apostate, when they say it's apostasy, you're abandoning, basically you're abandoning your beliefs. Demas didn't just decide to get up one morning and be unfaithful. He didn't wake up after all the cool things were going on in his life and say, you know what? I'm just going to, I don't want to be, I'm not going to be faithful. Anymore. I'm just going to be unfaithful. No, what happened? You're going through, you're looking at this, you're looking at this, you're looking at this, you're looking at this, and your flesh begins to tell you, do you really want, you could die in prison here. I mean, you really want to be shipwrecked? You could die at sea. You could be stoned to death. You could, and, and honestly, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't wrong. Demas was right. You could be. Most were. So Demas looked at that and said, you know, I got to make a choice here. But he didn't, this didn't happen overnight. Slowly but surely, slowly but little bit at a time, Satan comes in and starts speaking to his heart and starts speaking to his heart. It starts with a, it starts basically with a single desire, a single, you think about this. This is, this is really insidious. It starts with basically a single desire to put something first in your life, something else first in your life, something else begins to take priority in your life. I don't care what it is, a single desire that, yeah, I, I'm still, I'm going to, I'm still going to take, I'm still going to take Jesus with me and stick in my back pocket. But something else begins to take first place in your life. That's what it takes. It doesn't have to be some profound, incredible. It's just that simple planting of that seed in your mind. That simple suggestion. And then all of a sudden, his desire for the world prevailed over his desire to follow God and to serve God. You know what, what phrase I believe has led so many people in our culture to walk away from God 
And it's, it's, it's this phrase, but it's something around this. God wants me to be happy. That phrase, however you want to slice it, okay? However you want to put it. That phrase is what leads so many people to begin that road. Again, you can put that phrase any way you like, but that's basically what Demas was saying. I want to be happy. See, when becoming happy is the foundation of your life, the foundation and philosophy of your life. What is your goal in life? Oh, pursuit of happiness. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to pick on that. I'm just saying I talk to people and they say, the really what I want is I just, my, my goal in life, my philosophy, my theology, my theology is basically what I hear a lot, is that God wants me to be happy. If that is your philosophy and theology and goal in life, you are going in the wrong spiritual direction. Does God want you to be happy? Absolutely. Okay. God would, he loves you so much. He loves me. God loves me so much. Is he wants Jeff Greer to be happy? Yes. As long as Jeff Greer's definition of happiness aligns with God's definition of happiness. As long as my definition of happiness and go, go do a study, a biblical study on what the Bible means by happiness or happy. As long as my definition of happiness aligns with God's definition of happiness, then we're okay. But disobedience to God's word Listen to me, disobedience to God's word, regardless, okay, of how happy that thing makes you or makes you feel, regardless of happy you could be being disobedient to God's word, that is called sin. It's a sin. So regardless how happy you are doing something, if it is not in alignment with God's word, it's called sin. And I would argue, I would argue that that thing that you're putting above God and that thing that is making you, quote, happy, emotionally happy at this point is going to be the snare. OK, we learned on our men's retreat how to build a snare. How do you build a snare to catch something? And I would argue with you that what we're doing, when we're saying, I just want to be happy. Satan's like, you know what? Think about it. Why would you not? Why would God not want you to be happy? So you put a snare and you try to put a snare like between like the flowers in here. It's a little tube and you go through and all of a sudden it gets on your neck and you don't notice much about it until it starts tightening up and tightening up. And then you can breathe a little bit and all of a sudden you don't like it and it gets even tighter. And after a while you start breathing it out. And every time you exhale, it gets tighter and tighter until you end up dead. That, my friends, is what you're going for. Because that's what Satan wants. It's like alcohol, okay? When you first, first take, start taking drugs and alcohol, whatever it is, to numb yourself, whatever the case may be, you first start doing it because it's fun and it makes you feel good. You know what happens after a while? You're not taking it to have, be, to have fun and to feel good. You're taking it just not to feel bad. Ugh, snare. That's exactly what he wants. So my argument would be, even if you're saying, well, God wants me to be happy, you better make sure that your definition of happiness aligns with God's definition of happiness, because it doesn't, then it will lead you down a path that will destroy your life anyway. See, and if you, if you think that, if you think it's God's job to make you happy, according to your definition of happiness, you are, <laughs> it's just a matter of time before you're going to become like Demas. That's all I can say. If you think God, you think it's God's job to, if I, Jeff Greer, thinks it's God's job to make me happy all the time, it is just a matter of time before 
Jeff Greer becomes like Demas. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, it warns us, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we, ha- what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. N- now, now, not pay careful attention to what you have heard, okay, from your friends. Not pay careful attention to what you've heard from your music. Not pay careful attention to what you've heard from the media or entertainment or from this world. But pay careful attention to what you have heard from the Word of God and from the Holy Spirit of God. Pay careful attention to what you were taught. Otherwise, you're going to be in large trouble. In our culture, it is so hard to define true apostasy. Because you can just go anywhere you want and find a church to tell you anything you want to, to be told. You really, in, in our culture at this point, you just go there. I, someone told me that there are mega atheists have mega churches now. Atheists do around the country. And I thought, what are you talking about? I went and looked it up. That's very true. It's a movement. There's atheist, large churches that are totally atheist. It's absolutely incredible. I remember getting, um, I remember getting a phone call. Because, let me back up a little bit. If, if you want to live whatever life you want to live, it's not too hard anymore because all you have to do is go find a church that will just go along with what you, want them, what you want them to say, what you want to believe in your own heart. I was called one time um, by someone and they, they said, they were, it was in the office, and they said, can we talk to the pastor, the senior pastor of the church? And I got on the phone and they said, I just want to ask you some questions about Grace Chapel. Oh, great. What are your questions? Well, they wanted, they wanted to know if I would go along, if I agreed with or go along a certain sexual behavior that they were engaged in. And I said, you know what? I never answer those kind of questions on the phone. Never. I said, why don't we get together, you know, and we can sit down and I can show you why we believe what we believe. They said to me right back, it's not a hard question, Pastor. This is, this is, this is not a hard question. They said, we don't want to be a part of a church that won't agree with what we choose to do. I said, well, if you don't want to meet with me, then why don't you just open up your Bible and that'll tell you exactly what our church believes about that subject. Simple as that. Open up the word of God and that will clearly lay out to you what Grace Chapel believes about this. But it's very difficult because you can go around and you can, you can find what you will find people to tell you what you want to hear. Here's the deal. There will always be something trying to capture your attention. And you, you, we've got to stay strong. We just can't say, well, I don't agree with this, so I'm going to go over here and, and have these people tickle my ears. I'm going to go over here and do this. You have to realize there's always going to be something in this life that is going to try to capture your attention. Something that's going to tempt you to choose it over God. This is going to tempt you to choose it over God. I, whatever it is, there's going to be that temptation that says, choose me, choose me over God. There are so many things in this world that, 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 are, that, are, that, are, that are attacking or, or contending for the position of number one in our lives. Satan wants nothing more than to put God second in your life. I don't care what it is. And he'll use, he'll use family, he'll use work, and those aren't bad things. He'll use sports, he'll use other activities, all those things. Those things, I'm not saying they're bad. But none of those things should take first place in your heart. None of those things should rise to where they are more important than God in your life. None of them. God first, your family, all those things, they can come in order. But the moment you put something above God, 
You're going to have all kinds of problems in this life. And it doesn't really matter what it is. It could be sex. It could be money. It could be whatever. Whatever is trying to take first place. And you know what it is. You and I both know what it is. What is it for you that is trying to become dominant in your life and take first place in your life? Because whatever it is, we don't want to become like Demas. We don't want that thing to draw us away from a relationship with God. Otherwise, we're never going to fulfill the purpose for which God created us. Nothing should have priority over God. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 13, it reminds us, no one, listen to this, no one can serve two masters. And this is, I'm going to listen to the language here. Because see, we want to play around. We want to say, well, I love God, but I also want to do this. And I kind of, you know, I want Jesus to be my, my savior. I'm not sure about Lord, but my savior. But listen to what this verse says. Listen to the language. No one, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. See, you don't, no one wants to say that. We all want to do what we want to do and still say, well, I still, I still love God. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or anything else. That's my last part. Or anything else. You cannot serve both God. You cannot, you cannot have two masters. You cannot have two lords of your life. You're going to hate the one and love the other, despise the one, whatever. That is so clear to us. Satan will do everything in his power to put God second in your life. Everything in his power. Why? Because he understands if he can do that, he can, he, if he can just lure you away with just a simple thing, something, it's mundane, it may not be that, you don't think it's that important. When we first started Grace Chapel, there was a family coming to our church. And their little boy loved to play baseball. Anything wrong with playing baseball? Absolutely not. Great sport, fantastic, wonderful, love baseball, love watching baseball. Uh, baseball players or Christians, all that. He loved playing baseball. And so a coach come and told us, said to his parents, you know, your boy's got talent. He's got real talent. And in order for him to really excel and be and really achieve the ultimate goal in baseball, he's going to have to do it all the time, including on Sundays. So the parents start, stopped coming to church. I didn't, I, I, they just stopped coming. They said, oh, we love to come. Right now we're so busy because baseball, because our son's really talented in baseball. And the coach said we've got to practice all the time. Started taking them on road trips, spending tons of money, um, and basically giving up their faith, if you will. They were, I'm not sure where they were spiritually in their lives. But they were coming on a regular basis, and, and they just decided, you know what? they got to play all the time, and so they, they gave up, they invested, and they sacrificed, if you will, their faith. Interesting. Kind of kept up a little bit. Um, never got a scholarship. The kid never got a scholarship. Never went to a major university to play baseball. Never went to the pros. As far as I know, never went back to church and never reconnected with Christ. We have to be careful is there anything wrong with baseball? No. Football? No. Uh, tennis? No. Anything wrong with this or that or going to your job? No. And nothing's wrong with those things if it's not, right? If it's not, if it's not, if it's not sinful, it's sacred, right? We know that. So all those things can be used to the glory of God. Your job, baseball, all those things can be used to the glory of God. As long as God is first on that pyramid, God's number one, everything else falls down after him. See, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 tells the Christian that Christ, listen, has supremacy. Christ has supremacy in every area of our lives. Every 
area of our lives, Christ has supremacy. I want to do other things. I want to be engaged in other activities. That's fantastic. I like, I went back to Taekwondo this week after eight month layoff, had a hip surgery, you know, up the stairs with the crutches and all. Went back this week. I love Taekwondo. Okay. Am I going to be Bruce Lee ever? No, I'm not, but I really like it. I really like going there. It is not number, it is not first in my life. I'll use Taekwondo to, I'll use it to invest in my son, spend time with him. I'll use it to invest in the lives of people who are at the Taekwondo. Dojang, I'll, I'll, I'll use it for that. I'll enjoy, enjoy the living daylights out of it. I love the exercise. I always think you, you work, you work out really hard and you can eat really hard too. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of tall. So I, once I'm, I'm working, working, working like that, I can just gobble down anything I want to. It doesn't really affect me. If I don't do that, I gain like 10 or 20 pounds right away. So I'm loving it, right? But it's not, it is not the number one thing in my life. John chapter, John chapter two, verses 15 and 17 says this. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. And the world passing is passing away and also it's lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. As you came in this morning, I think I told you early that you got a, a gift, right? This bracelet. And on the bracelet, look at it, it says, don't be Demas. Don't, don't be Demas. We need to be reminded, we gave those out because we all, every single one of us, me included, I, I've been wearing mine for like uh, at least uh, two weeks or so here. Every single one of us needs to be reminded that if we don't stand strong, if we don't stay focused, if we don't keep Jesus Christ first in our lives, we are capable. We are all capable. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. Now, are you, are you truly born again? I, that's between you and the Lord. Okay. But I don't believe you can use it, lose it. But I do believe this. Some who don't have it and are following Paul, following Jesus can be led astray. Those of us who don't do know Christ can backslide. We can be, we can be, we can be basically Satan can make us ineffective in our lives. If we don't stand strong, we can be led away. We are all capable. I'd say all. We, many people are capable of becoming Demas. Whether it's, whether it's your, your backsliding and you become useless if you will in the kingdom of god because satan's got you or you're at a point in your life where you're you're walking with christ but all of a sudden it's do i want this or do i want this let me one last encouragement and warning i've lived in both places okay one may seem to offer more fun more pleasure but the end result of that pleasure will leave you in a place that you wish you had never, you, you wish you'd never gone. God loves you so much. He wants that relationship with you. So think clearly through what God is calling you to do and how God is calling you to live. Demas loved the world. What do I love? What do you love? Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity just to, to draw us here, Lord God, during this series. I pray that you would use us in a powerful way, that you would teach us and encourage us through those who we don't want to follow and those we do want to follow. God, I pray that we would see ourselves in many cases in both and that we would learn from those experiences and become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with us? We're going to